Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Then check out Weird Mystic, where two friends share their love for cryptids and paranormal events. Take it away, ladies. That's Serena over there. And that's Naomi, and we are the hosts of Weird Mythic Podcast. Yes, we are. Our show, Weird Mythic, covers stories about cryptids, which is what brought us together to create the show. But we also like to talk about anything paranormal and strange that happens in the world. We post episodes every Sunday on different topics, and we would love to have more listeners. We are on all podcast platforms, and you can find us on all social media sites as well. Give us a listen, send us some personal stories to share on the show, and we will love you forever. Yes, we will. We would love some personal stories, some cryptid encounters, and we hope that you listen and tune into the show. You can listen to Weird Mythic Podcasts wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast contains adult content suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. I ain't like that anymore. I don't kick off like before. I'm more relaxed. I'm all formed. I ain't Welcome, traveler, to the morbid forest. Why, hello there, my dear traveler. Come in, come in. Don't want anything to snatch you out from my front porch now. (laughs) Make yourself right at home. I was just sitting down for dinner. Care to join me, hmm? Oh, don't be modest. Ranger Harper won't let you leave here until you're nice and stuffed. My hand slipped slightly as I took a left on Olive Court Drive. I wanted to wipe the offending sweat from my palms, but didn't want to risk ruining my khaki slacks. Avery reached across the console, taking my right hand in hers. You worry too much. I promise they are going to love you. Her red lips parted into a dazzling smile. I return it with a sheepish one. When she asked me to join her for dinner at her family home, I nearly vomited on the soft, smiling face. Instead, I swallowed the oncoming bile, plastered a sickly sweet smile on my moist face, and agreed. We met on campus in the bowels of the stacks. I was tearing down the dusty aisles, searching fruitlessly for a book I needed to finish my last research paper. As I cursed and beseeched the library gods for their cursed filing system, a soft voice from the aisle over commented that was no way for me to talk to old books. I scoffed at the voice, my retort just as colorful as my depiction of the old campus library. An amused laughter lured me to the aisle where I promptly forgot what I was looking for. Fortunately for me, she did not. She helped me find my book and every book after that for the remainder of the semester. 
By summer's end, my librarian had showed me the world, both within pages and out. She was adventurous, witty, and my untempered heart fell fast. By the following summer, we were settling into postgraduate life in our new home. I didn't come from much. Raised by a single mother who deemed my existence lesser than a bottle of Jack, I had no sense of home, no sense of being cared for, not until Avery. So when she suggested it was time I meet her family, I could do nothing but smile and nod as my insights began to melt. She shared little of her upbringing aside from living in a well-to-do neighborhood close to her other relatives. She claimed her family was close, but I never saw one family photo unwrapped or hung when we moved into our home. I was no one to judge with my tumultuous past, but still, it was odd. Make a left on Hope Lane, and then it's the last house on the left of the cul-de-sac. Avery directed as I guided the car into the lane. The neighborhood was charming, with inherent wealth preening through every lawn and stone driveway. My thrift store polo seemed to shrink the closer we approached Avery's childhood home. There weren't too many homes on the street. Each mini mansion sat far distance from the others, each one a different architect's wet dream. Avery's home seemed the most modest of the bunch, with only two visible stories and a driveway sporting basic but luxury vehicles. My old Toyota felt wildly out of place. <laughs> I know that look. I turned to Avery after parking at the curb. What look? She rolled her eyes. The one forming a permanent wrinkle between your eyebrows. I keep telling you you have nothing to worry about. Stop thinking you're some poor leper I took off the streets. I wiped my sweaty palms on my slag, not meeting her eyes. Hey, hey, look at me. Avery's voice was gentle as she squeezed across the small space to wrap her arms around me. Her breath tickled my neck as she whispered. It's just dinner. Two hours tops, and then we can go home and be street urchins together. I laughed and pulled her tighter. I'm okay. You're right. I'm just overly nervous. I've never, I've never met anyone's family before. I sighed, voice of concern swallowing my inner thoughts. What if, what if they don't like me? You know, because of Avery snorted. If I like you, that's all that matters, Tom Tom. Now come on before they get tired of spying on us and drag us in. With another sigh, we exited the car and headed up the long driveway. The front door opened before we climbed the porch steps, confirming Avery's observation. She winked at me before rushing forward to hug her mother and father tightly. Mom, Dad, this is Thomas. Oh, it's so wonderful to finally meet you, Thomas. Please call me Judy. Come in, come in, you two. Judy stepped aside to allow us access to their home. Avery's father clapped me on the back, a warm smile brightening his cobalt eyes. So glad you could finally make it to family dinner night, Thomas. I know Judy has been hounding Avery for months now to get you over here. Dad. My eyes drifted to Avery, a question passing between us. Months? She sighed. The timing wasn't right, Dad. Plus, you know how Mom can be. I'm right here, you know. Thomas, can I get you anything to drink? A mild appetizer, perhaps? Or how about a tour first? Avery narrowed her eyes to her mother's back, then looked at me as if saying, See what I mean? 
I stifled a laugh. <laughs> a tour will be lovely, Judy. Your home is... I trailed off, finally taking in the room before me. The hallway opened to reveal an open floor plan in a soft cream color. To my right, an archway led to a cozy sitting room with a fireplace. And to my left, a formal dining room already set for dinner awaited us. It was all artfully laid out as if Home and Garden had an appointment to stop by for a quick photo op. Judy ushered me into the living room, and I was somewhat surprised. Typical family portraits lined the walls of the space. It wasn't the pictures that threw me through a loop, but the array of stuffed mounts on the wall as well. Was Avery's dad a hunter? Ah, you've noticed my mounts. Just a small family hobby. I've always been interested in preservation. Avery's dad said beside me. <laughs> Keith and I retired out of line busy. He laughed, and I joined him trying my best not to show my revulsion in his hobby. I wasn't a vegan or anything, but it was odd someone at his age had so many. Who all is coming to dinner, Mom? Avery asked. Your grandfather and your sister, of course. Uh, John, will you help me with your father? Judy turned to me, her smile nearly infectious. John's father is wheelchair-bound, and requires an extra hand from time to time. I nodded in understanding. Would you like some help? I offered, but Judy waved me off before my question was even finished forming. You two rest up and meet us in the dining room. Dinner's just about ready to come out of the oven. I hope you like pot roast, Thomas. Avery's parents scurried from the room, and I moved to inspect the family portrait over the mantel more closely. I didn't know you had a sister, I said, taking in the photo. There were about 16 family members squeezed into the frame. A few pets sat dutifully in the front row, looking rigid and slightly worse of wear. But some of the eyes and some of the smiles were just off. Their posture too, too poised. It's a bit of a rough subject for mom. Avery explained, moving to join me. She lost my baby sister at birth. She was a stillborn. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. I hadn't realized, and the pain in Avery's eyes had me rushing to pull her close to me. She nuzzled into me, accepting my comfort. <laughs> it's all right. Sometimes I think it's odd that I miss someone so much. Someone I never got to even know. She sniffled quietly as I pressed her closer. I get it. I didn't know what else to say, but Avery seemed to push her momentary sadness aside and smile up at me. Maybe later, I'll... Dinner's ready, lovebirds. Come get it well thought. Judy called from the archway. We separated from our embrace, and Avery took my hand, leading me to the dining room. John was settling a balding man in a wheelchair at the table as we walked in and took our seats. I sat down in the seat across from the man but paused halfway as I began to introduce myself. Cold, pearlescent eyes gazed vacantly at me. Gelatinous, pellucid skin was tucked into neat folds on his cheeks, revealing two neat rows of white teeth. The smile reminded me of a grotesque joker, if the joker was frozen by death. Who's hungry? <laughs> wow, Mom, you didn't have to basically cook us a Christmas feast. Mother and daughter shared a laugh, the sound akin to crows cackling over their kill. Thomas, you are in for a real treat. Judy's pot roast and squash soup are quite legendary. John settled into his chair, 
somehow a signal for everyone else to sit down. With my eyes still on Avery's grandfather, I noticed a sheepish smile crawl across her father's face. <laughs> yes, Dad doesn't do much talking these days. The man chuckled. <laughs> at least he still smiles at your corny jokes, Dad. Avery retorted, then dug into her soup. I tried to form words, but nothing would come out. Judy scooted her chair closer to the frozen elderly man. Maybe he just had too many strokes in his lifetime, leaving him in a petrified stasis for the remainder of his days. Robotically, I raised my soup to my lips, eyes still locked on the barren ones across from me. Avery's father was speaking, but my brain shut him out. Judy smiled at the elderly man, the soup spoon poised in her hand. Yellow liquid advanced towards those ashen lips. The whole time, Avery's grandfather remained unmoving. Judy tipped the steaming soup upward, depositing the meal into the man's smiling lips. The yellow liquid dribbled down the man's lip to the edge of his chin. Time froze as a single drop of soup held strong to the unwavering skin, forming itself into a perfect droplet. The drop fell onto an unmoving chest. My chair slid out from under me, screeching across the dining room floor. My heart roared in my ears as Judy cooed. Bob Bob was always a messy eater. He's, he's. Thomas, are you all right? Avery asked cautiously. Could she not see? A yellow stain began to work its way into the fabric of the grandfather's shirt. I nearly vomited at the sight. He's, he's. My voice rose as it quaked in the room. Now, son, why don't you take a seat before you work yourself in hysterics? John suggested. Those lifeless eyes stared and stared, my brain exploding with the realization. He's dead. Thomas. Judy reprimanded, as if I were a child who spoke a bad word. Judy, it's all right. He doesn't know. John turned to me, eyes soft as if his dead father wasn't casually joining us for dinner. The term we use is preserve. Tom, Tom, just please just sit down. Avery pleaded next to me, but my nerves were blazing. Preserved? John rose, circling the table until he was at his wife's side, his hand coming to rest on his preserved father's shoulder. Our family is a close-knit one, as I'm sure Avery has told you. We enjoy the practice of keeping members of the Wheaton family above ground, and with existing members, rather than leave them in the ground to rot. My mouth hung open, unable to form words. It's so nice for family to always be with us. Honestly, I'm relieved I won't be in some gloomy old box. It's also nice to know I'll be treated with love and care by my husband. Or by Avery if John is no longer capable of performing the preservation process. Judy chimed in. You! I looked at Avery, hopelessness gleaming in her eyes. We don't need to discuss that right now, but later on, if we were to get married, you would never have to worry about a thing, Thomas. We'd always be together. And if we were to have kids, I'd be able to teach them- To stuff me? Like a prize kill on display? Like one of your father's mounts? I bellowed, unable to hang my disgust in my voice. 
Tom Tom. Avery moved to reach for me, but my body bolted. A fawn trapped in a hunter's scope. Avery screamed my name. Footsteps approached behind me as I ran through the home blindly. I slid into the main hallway, my feet unable to stop my trajectory on the slick tile floor as I barrel rolled onto the floor. Frenzied, I scrambled to get my footing when a gleam caught my eye. Avery and her parents halted in the archway of the dining room as my shaking fingers rose to point at the object in front of me. What the fuck is that? My voice shook as I took in the tank sitting on the hall table. I didn't know what else to call it aside from a tank. The glass was thick and cylindrical, filled to the brim with a tawny tinge liquid. Floating like a pustulous cloud inside the tank was a fully termed baby girl. I only assumed it was a girl from the bow headband nestled like a crown on her bare head. The umbilical cord was clasped around her bloated neck, another ornament adorning her like an apparent prize she was presented to be. A plaque was fastened to the front of the tank detailing her name, belovedness, and date of birth and death. The conversation from earlier came floating back to me. Who's coming to dinner? Your grandfather and your sister, of course. I scrambled to my feet, bolting to the front door. You're all sick! The family closed in behind me. The front door wouldn't open. I slammed my fists against the glass cutouts, praying I was strong enough to break them and escape. I... I really thought you was different, Dad. I know, sweetheart, but I told you it takes time. Took me 15 years to find your mother. The right one will come along, don't you worry. I'll help you get him situated with the others downstairs. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard Stuffed, written by Naomi Richards, with narration by Matthew Trevino, Naomi Richards, Devin Bohr, and Sean Moreau. Our theme music this season is Firestorm by Danny Schmidt. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. None of this would be possible without any of you. And we will use every opportunity to gush about how much we love and appreciate you guys. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Morbid Forest. Send us a little love letter at themorbidforest at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week, travelers, on The Morbid Forest.